not hunger. You who believe in me shall not thirst. No one can come to me unless the Father beckons, and I will raise you up, and I will raise you up, and I will raise you up on the last day.
Hello, hello, welcome everyone. That was the opening video by Content Music with the title of the song, I Am the Bread of Life. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Catholics at Home podcast. I'm JP and I hope you are keeping well. If you are just tuning into this show for the very first time, I would like to invite you to like, subscribe and share Catholics at Home and help us get 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. Tell us what topics you'd like to see on Catholics at Home in the future, and please feel free to post questions or comments that you may have on this show. Now, today we'll be discussing the topic of youth and the change that they bring. In recent weeks, you know, you, we have seen across our social media youth making their voices heard. From the Summer Olympics, where they are making an impact in sports and smashing records, to the local front where they are speaking up and standing up for others. So for today's show, we thought, why not have some of our youths to come on to the show and talk to us a bit about their passion, their interests, and what made them decide to take this path less travel. But before that, allow me to bring on the very much youthful host and resident priest at Catholics at Home, Father Clarence Devadas. Hi, JP. Good morning to you. Good morning to everyone morning, at home. How are you doing? I'm all right, JP. You know, when you say... Father, you look youth, really good today. Youthful. You uh, I, 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 don't, I, I don't think I'm so youthful anymore. Yeah. It's a very interesting time to, to talk about the, the topic, right, of youth, uh, Father. Yeah, I think it is very interesting because, you know, uh, like you started off by saying the Olympics. I, I'm sure many of us have been following the, the Olympics. I mean, I've been following bits and pieces, trying to catch the, the, the highlights uh, at the end of the day. Uh, it's, it's amazing how, how young people are, are rewriting records, uh, you know, things, uh, I mean, in, in events that people never thought that, you know, that the records would be broken. Uh, and and you know shaping a, a new a, a new pathway for for and inspiring others. I think that the most important thing is they are inspiring other people to take up uh, sport uh, at least at the Olympics. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I, mean, I, I caught I caught a little bit of the skateboarding and the sports climbing, which are the I think one of the few uh, new events that were introduced in this Olympics. And and the 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 gold, silver, and bronze winners are all young, and and they are so youthful and so exuberant and so much passion in, in the sports that they do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think our, our own Malaysian athletes deserve a shout out uh, this morning, you know, uh, as I think Absolutely. tomorrow is the last day, I think tomorrow is the closing um, yes. to all our Malaysian athletes from all of us that Catholics at home. Thank you for carrying our flag uh, in, in Tokyo. You know, uh, I think, you know, whether, whether the flag is hoisted on a, on a, on a flagpole or whether it is just being around your shoulder, it doesn't really matter, but they represent us. Uh, and yes. I think they represent us as Malaysia, and 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 that's that's a great thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much to all of our athletes for flying the Jalo Gemilang so proudly, you know, throughout the entire Olympics. We we thank you so much. And then you see yeah, yeah, so locally I, too. Locally too, our our, our young people yeah. are making their voices heard. Uh, you know, in in the in, in the social political arena, uh, looking for change. Uh, and I think that's very inspiring. Very inspiring uh, to see young people. Uh, to come out, uh, you know, of course, with all the health and safety precautions taken, and but, you know, wanting to make a difference. And I think that's what we are talking about today. But I think there's also another reason, JP, uh, why why we kind of time this conversation, not just because of Olympics and 
uh, and what's happening locally. I think there's an United Nations international. Uh, yeah, I, I let you. I let you say that. You are right, Father. So, so on the twelfth of August is the annual International Day of the Youth. Um, that's actually been uh, enshrined by the United Nations to recognize the power and the voice of our youth um, as, as a voice for the for the generation to come, Father. So. You know, it's it's really appropriate that it all ties in so well together with the Olympics and with the UN International of the uh, Day of the Youth and and the topics that we are talking about today. It's so it's, it resonates so well with the times that we are in, the challenges that we see facing not just ourselves but also the youth of our nation, Father. Yeah, I mean, of course, in church, I mean, in our in our church, we celebrate uh, youth on on Palm Sunday, uh, but you know. Uh, internationally it's the 12th of august uh, but it doesn't really matter when when we celebrate but i think the conversation this morning is you know to talk to some people who have really come forward to to make to make a difference you know i think it, it's so easy for for all of us including whether young or old it's just to 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 follow the crowd but there are people who kind of stand out who as you said who choose the the road less traveled and this morning we have three inspiring young people uh, talking to us two young people, <laughs> uh, you yes, know about young and youthful, young and youthful uh, <laughs> about what inspires them, and I think I think they have interesting stories to tell us. Uh, what makes them choose this pathway compared to, you know, sometimes our, our career paths are, are are quite automated, isn't it, JP? I mean, we all mm. go to school, you know. And you have, your parents have expectations yeah. of you. The community has expectations of you. But suddenly you see somebody take a complete different path and then everybody kind of like, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it's, 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 it's very, very interesting, Father, that you brought it up because, you know, for, for a lot of us, uh, maybe it's an autopilot or maybe it's an expectation thing. But we all tend to know what we want to do when we are much older, when we finish school, what we want to study and all that. So some of our guests today, actually, you know, like I mentioned at the start of the program, they took a road less travel, and it's very interesting that uh, one of our one of our guests, you know, um, when 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 I when I talked to her and how she shared about how her friends are already doing this or achieving that and all, and and she measures success very differently. And I think it's a very interesting question to also speak to our guests also about how how they measure their success because of the road less travel. Like, how do you benchmark against your friends? You you really can't because what they are doing is so unique and so special. So let's, I mean, today today we're trying something different, JP. <laughs> I mean, yes. for the first time, you kind of can do a kind of a hybrid conversation. <laughs> uh, we have two guests who are live with us this morning and one has been pre-recorded. So it's going to be a task for, for our technical crew uh, to kind of like, you know, bring this in sync. So to yes. our audience out there, please do, please do be patient with, with our, our tech crew. <laughs> Because uh, we need to kind of like really put this together, uh, two live conversations, one pre-recorded conversation. Uh, anyway, there's always a first for everything. So this is the first time you're going to do that, and hopefully we will get better in in being able to do that. So let's let's bring let's bring in our, our guest this morning, our inspiring guest. Absolutely. So uh, so for our guest today, we have Fabian Lee, who is a youth pastoral worker at Asayo. And we also have Adrian O, a PPV volunteer and coordinator. Welcome to the show, Fabian and Adrian. Hi, hi JP. Hi, Father. Hi, nice good morning, JP. Hi, hi, Father. How are you? How are you guys? Hi, Fabian. We're good. We're already feeling hi, like 10 years younger talking to the, the two of you. <laughs> I think that's good. You know, I think you know, that's you know, good. JP, you and I are same age, JP. 
our, for our live audience, they do not need to know that. They just need to know that, you know, we are youthful. We are all youthful today. Um, yeah, 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 but, yeah, but thanks yeah. so much for coming on to the show. I, I know both of you have, have your work cut out for you. And, um, you know, a special shout out to Heidi Kwa, who is also one of the guests for today's program. And like what Father alluded earlier, um, unfortunately, she actually can't join us for today's program, but we've actually pre-recorded some of the questions that we are going to be talking about and discussing about today. So maybe just to start off with, um, Adrian, you can actually tell us a bit about yourself and, and what do you do? Uh, okay, so basically, uh, my name is Adrian. JP and I, you and I go way back, way back. So we'll keep our age as quiet as possible. So um, for myself, I've been in the IT for almost 15 years now, uh, doing service delivery, doing IT, doing operations, doing management, you name it, uh, from IT, from support, right up to the management level. So what happened was um, somewhere in December or so, uh, you know, the pandemic and so on, there was one retrenchment that, retrenchment that happened in my previous organization. So I took a break for a while and I started a job again in January or February, but things just didn't work out. So uh, somewhere in April or May, uh, I was not doing anything. So the, it came up, uh, advertisement came up for my housing area to do a volunteering job for this uh, PPV or they call it Pusat Pemberian Vaccine uh, Vaccination Center. So I took it up as a volunteering job. Then after a few months, it's now just history. Uh, I'm just coordinating the uh, PPV in Bangi. Uh, to be more exact, it's actually the golf resort. So uh, running the operations there, coordinating the operations there and so on. And working with um, the relevant departments to administer vaccine. Uh, it's a glamour word, but it's just basically <laughs> administering vaccines to uh, the people in Slango and getting them vaccinated and so on. So that's... You say glamour, I mean. but you know, it's a, it's a very vital work right now, especially given the times that we are in with the rising numbers. I think PPVs like yourself, uh, the, the one that you are in, it's, it's just so important because it provides a, a chance to normalcy. It provides a chance for all of us to go into the recovery of our nation, right? So, yeah. So, I mean, what, what you really what you do is really, really important at PPV. So, how big is the team that you have at PPV, PPV Bangi? Um, if you if if you know how PPV works, there's always integration and there's private sectors and so on. Uh, the PPV in uh, Bangi Golf Resort is actually an integration. So there's uh, one one KMA or one CAM you call it uh, the KKM side, and then for my side, it's actually the HCO side. It's called the healthcare healthcare organization. So it's called it's basically private sector uh, hospitals and so on. So um, we started this somewhere around in May or so. Uh, we actually administer 1,000 uh, vaccines per day. And the team that I work with um, cons consists of volunteers up to maybe 55 to 60 volunteers per day. And uh, there is a team of people that's supporting me from the back. It's actually from the hospital itself. Uh, there's a group of people from the CEO to the director of nurses, um, then there's the credit controls and so on that's helping me from the back, maybe six, seven of them, eight of them. And then the team that I work with, um, if you know how PPV works again, uh, there's section one, section two, section three, four, and five, where section one is actually the security or the crowd control. Section two is where you do your registration, then section three is where you do your, uh, uh, your jab or your administrating of your jab, and then four and five is where your waiting area and so on. So I have one leads or two leads for each section, so maybe around seven or eight of them that's helping me from the back. 
that's how the team works. It, also, it sounds yeah. like a huge administrative operation. Uh, yeah, entirely. Yeah. It's almost as good as saying it's like a company, right? Like an, like an organization, just that this one administers vaccine. Yeah, correct, correct. Uh, so it's just like a, it's just how you operate things. I have, I have vast experience or mass experience in operations and so on. So that's why I actually, uh, when, when, when the hospital actually offered, I said that they want to do bunny and so on. So I told hospital, let me, let me help you in, in any way I can. Uh, I have, I have this experience which I can work with. And then for me, uh, I connect with people quite easily. I get, I, once I, once I click with people, uh, we can just talk and we just can communicate and so on. So that's that's me and me. So yep. um, I, I can attest to that. That's how you have remained friends for so many years. So thanks, yeah, thanks, Adrian, yeah. for that for the introduction of of the PPV and, and the work that you are doing uh, as a coordinator and also a volunteer. So yeah. now we're going to cut through to technology. Um, earlier in the week, I actually did catch up with Heidi and I actually asked her to talk a bit about herself. Um, let's let's play that clip. Yeah. So my name is Heidi. I am the founder and director of a non-profit organization called Refuge for the Refugees. Uh, Refuge for Refugees is an organization that seeks to raise awareness regarding the plight of refugees in Malaysia, as well as provide education for refugee children. We currently run about 35 schools, two halfway homes, and a social business school. We have been around for almost a decade now. Oh my goodness, I feel old as I say this. Um, started very young at 17, 18 years old. Uh, so it's almost a decade since we've been running the organization. And now a lot of our focus goes into not just, you know, ensuring that kids have access to quality education, but also, you know, looking into case management, human trafficking issues, consulted with corporates and companies, you know, on the anti-trafficking policies, um, yeah, and, and stuff like that. So so my hands has been pretty full. I am not just running an organization. I am also an associate professor with Taylor's Lakeside, um, and I'm also an associate supervisor at Australian Catholic University, um, you know, seeing how, supervising a candidate who's doing her research on the link between access to education for refugees um, and the impact of the and the impact on mental yeah. Wow, you know, when, when we were doing that recording, just to share with everyone, you know, it was late at night and you can sense the, the passion and that youthful power that Heidi brought um, when we were talking to her, right? Uh, so for Fabian, how about you share, share with us, tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, uh, hi, yeah, so my name is Fabian Lee. That's, I think that's no mystery now. Um, I currently work in Archdiocesan Single Adult and Youth Office, ASAYO. Um, so what we do is we provide pastoral accompaniment to young people of the Archdiocese of Kuala Lumpur. Uh, some may not feel that Kuala Lumpur is big, but Archdiocese of Kuala Lumpur is big. Yeah, so it covers uh, from Terengganu down to Negeri Sembilan. You know? yeah, so uh, a, lot, a lot of work to do. Um, and Currently, I am personally still finding out uh, what does it mean to be a pastoral worker, more so than what is a social worker. I think that's uh, that's easily definable in the dictionary. But yeah, the pastoral worker job title is something um, I would say new to me. Currently, I just got a grasp of what is it, um, especially since uh, pandemic. Uh, it's, it's not supposed to be an online ministry, if you know what I mean. Uh, or rather not supposed to be an online work uh, but due to the pandemic we try to make do with what we can yeah so yeah that's a little bit about uh what what i do in asayo yeah no just just listening to to the three of you and uh, you know it makes me realize that uh, you kind of chosen a, a different career pathway you know 
whether it's it's by coincidence or whether it's God's providence. I mean, we leave that for a for another day's discussion. Uh, but you know, for a lot of people, uh, for young people, you know, it's it's almost automated, isn't it, JP? I mean, I, I guess for you too, and for me also, you know, kind of yeah. your parents have expectations. Uh, the community community has expectations of you, and suddenly when you kind of steer away from that that main pathway, uh, people begin to ask, eh, eh, uh, "Is something wrong with this person? You know, why are they choosing something different?" And I'm just listening to to Fabian, to Adrian, and also to to Heidi. They've chosen different pathways, but before you choose, you know, before you chose these pathways, uh, did you have ambitions? You know, when you were young. What what were what were your ambition? What did you what did you aspire to to be? Probably not what you're doing now, but you know, uh, <laughs> I think as as young people, you you always have ambitions growing up. Maybe Fabian, did you have any ambition? Was your ambition always to work in church? Uh no. <laughs> um, I mean, if you ask were to ask uh, fifteen years old Fabian, um, yeah, I think working in church is not in the list even i would say uh, i would never imagine myself to be working in the church um but yeah growing up i had uh, as i said a list of ambitions uh it just changes time to time that is not one thing that um, really catches my attention that really draws me in uh, to make me devoted to it or something like that um but yeah, I would say the long, uh, the one ambition that I had for the longest time was to be an engineer. Yeah, so, um, I think that's a very common ambition nowadays, lah. Yeah, um, um, I would say, I'm sort of, I, I sort of achieved that ambition. Um, yeah, it's not fulfilled yet. I, I do graduate from a engineering degree, and I actually have, um. The opportunity to be registered under the Board of Engineers of Malaysia. Um, yeah, I just need to do paperwork. But once I started doing it, then pandemic hit, and yeah, I can't, I couldn't continue. Yeah, so now, I guess, yeah, maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> JP, did you did you ask did you ask Heidi the same question? Did you ask her what what? What did she always aspire to be a social social worker, social activist? Yes, yes, father. I actually did ask her father, and and it's actually very very interesting interesting story. So let's have a look at and at what Heidi's ambition was as she was growing up. My ambition, don't laugh. My ambition was actually okay. to be a police officer. Growing up, I spent so much time watching TVB dramas. Um, you know, it's always, you know, the cops chasing the bad guys, right? I found it very inspirational. And so, yeah, I wanted to be a police officer growing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. A police woman, who would have thought uh, watching, watching TV dramas, you know, chasing after the bad guys would lead to a path of, you know, now running a refugee organization like Heidi did. Um, how about you, Adrian? What, what was your ambition um, growing up? Wow. Um, like Heidi said, I think you might not, you better don't laugh in this. Um, what? To be quite frank, just two days ago, I was just talking to my friend about ambitions and so on at the PPV. Thinking back again, uh, what actually, what I wanted to be is a fighter, fighter jet pilot. <laughs> pilot. <laughs> right. Fighter jet pilot. Wow. Uh, this just came out two days ago and thinking back, it's all because of that movie from Top Gun. 
TikTok. Uh, how how we saw shoots down the mix and so on. I watched that movie until I can remember the entire script of that movie. So yeah, okay. it's a fighter jet. It was, Tom, it was it was it was Tom Cruise, right? I think Tom Cruise inspired you to be a, a fighter jet pilot. Yeah, more more of like Tom Cruise with his fun flight and so on. Yeah, just stay, staying staying with Adrian. I mean, yeah, of course, you know, to be a, a fighter jet, uh, you know, there's, there, there are risks involved, you know, in wanting to... You are you are kind of now, like, you know, managing a, a vaccination centre, you know, and before you chose to do this, uh, were you afraid? I mean, did those risks uh, cross your mind when having to, to want to volunteer to, to work in, in, in a vaccination centre? Did mm, that 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 thought actually did come to my mind, but somehow rather um, after after doing it for one or two days, that thought just went 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 missing. It's not stuck at the back of my head anymore. But it's just something that I wanted to do, something that I wanted to carry out. So yeah, to your questions on that, there there is a slight thought on that, but somehow it didn't stop me to to to, to continue what I wanted to do and just. See, see, see an end to see an end towards it. So, is that is that what motivates you every morning to wake up and go and go to this place? I mean, to 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 be able, you want to contribute to be able to see, like JP was saying, you know, to help us Malaysians to come back to to some sense of this normalcy that we had before. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's it's one of the motivational thing that I actually wake up to or to get people to get people vaccinated as much as possible. Yeah, so my day start as early as this day, six to six forty-five or so on. Then I take a slow drive to uh, Bangi Golf Resort, have some breakfast, have some briefing, and then the day starts at eight forty-five or nine o'clock. And then maybe now finishes at four, four or five p.m. or so. And then the closing and and briefing and so on. Yeah, that's my daily routine since uh, June or so. Yeah, May June. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But, you know, instead of going, instead of someone like me going to an office, you're going to a PPV center where there's like what Father said, you know, there's actually risk and all. So, I mean, when how, how do you decompress, if I can use that word, um, when, when you come out of it? Because knowing that, you know, this was probably not something that you envisioned yourself doing, even at the start of the pandemic. And now we fast forward to today, the present time, you, you are actually coordinating a PPV of that scale, administering thousands of vaccines a day. Um, what runs through your mind um, and, and how do you overcome some of those, you know, challenges that you probably will, will, will be thinking about? Mm, in terms of challenges or in terms of decompression, there's really nothing much, there's really nothing much you can do. Um, I think a lot may agree with me, uh, a lot that have been working with people may agree with me. They see the satisfaction of people getting vaccinated. They see uh, joy in getting people jab and so on uh, for instance for instance just 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 give you an example of how how uh, one experience or one uh, situation can make someone happy at the PPV. Uh, a, a, a wife a wife of a husband a wife walks in and then uh, get registered and so on but then the wife just open up can you get my husband vaccinated as well since he's here uh, he haven't got an appointment and so on uh, in terms of getting the husband uh, administer or getting the husband uh, vaccinated is an easy process. You just need to know whether by the end of the day you have enough vaccines, whether you have enough counts of vaccine and so on. It's just 
method of getting approval from uh, the, the, the penyelaras or from the floor manager and see whether he can administer. It's just a matter of putting his name into the system and then get vaccinated. You can see the joy of <coughs> both of them uh, being happy and so on, getting getting vaccinated. So, yeah, in, in terms of decompression, there's really nothing much, there's nothing really much you can do on decompression. It's just getting people happy and just getting people vaccinated and so on. So that's that's the thing you see happening in PPVs and, and, and so on. There's many out there actually is doing it. I know a couple of friends that does it. They feel, they feel happy in the end of the day getting uh, those who have not registered into the system, those who have not got their appointment, just walk into the PPV and just get registered and so on. Yeah. No, just so, I, so I, I just wanted maybe to to Fabian. I just wanted to you know, I was just yeah. listening to Fabian. You know, he had this plan for to be an engineer, and I'm sure. I mean, your parents probably knew about it. Fabian, I mean, when you chose to work for the church, how did your family respond or react to it? Um, okay, um, I would say at first there are some kind of resistance. Um, yeah, because there. It, it's not that I have no other options that they see they see for themselves that there are many options in front of me but yet why why church you know why social why pastoral work um yeah um I graduated top of my class so they say hey you mean you get very good results you know why not just go on become a computer engineer you know and they are uh, I also had the opportunity to further my studies uh, like just keep masters and immediately take phd you know and yeah they see all this and then they look at my siblings um one of them having two degree uh two phds another one is currently pursuing phd and they say yeah um don't you want to do phd and yeah so i wouldn't say it was a strong resistance but um i can see that they are not comfortable with it the idea that um i'm choosing church i'm choosing working in uh something that is not related to what i studied for yeah so uh, after a while after a while um yeah i think their heart softened down and yeah now two years in they have accepted that um yeah, this is where i work yeah i think is that enough <laughs> I, I guess there's there's always a turning point for somebody isn't it to make that decision whether you know whether it's it's adrian or whether it's fabian with myself or jp i mean there's always a, a kind of a trigger that that makes you realign your thinking and, and i think jp you asked you asked uh heidi the question right i mean uh, what I did, was yeah what was what was that what was her turning point yeah i did ask heidi that let's let's see what she said i think um, so I think running and, and chasing after bad guys has always been my cup of tea, right? But I just needed to be in a system that supported that. For me, I guess my turning point, um, I mean, you know, despite you know, talking about wanting to be, aspiring to be a police officer um, as a child, um, I always grew up, you know, thinking that I'd be working in corporate. Um, I did my degree in accounting and finance and the plan was to become an accountant um, after or just a banker, something to do with finance, right? For me, my turning point came um, after secondary school, actually. Um, you know, when I first started working in the refugee community, I realized that, that yeah, you know, there was so much more that, that was needed to support the communities and we just needed people who were 
kind, consistent, and caring. Um, it was so hard to, and I think I was just really tired of of waiting upon people to to meet the gaps, you know, in the system that we see. And so I decided, like, hey, why not? Instead of waiting upon others, um, I take on the call, right? Um, yeah, I take on the call, and I say yes to showing up for the community. One thing led to another. We were running Refuge to Refugees first as a project. Um, but upon running as a project, we realized that, you know, the impact that we could make was only so small as a project. And so we turned it around into a nonprofit organization. Wow. And, and was that transition from completing your, your studies in, in a business and wanting to go into the corporate world, was that a very difficult adjustment for you? Um, not actually. I, I mean, okay, yes, yes. I think it was tough because um, it was still relatively easy to a certain extent running refugee refugees and doing university, right? Um, but I think the FOMO kicked in hard after university when I saw all my friends getting corporate jobs. You know, they were getting corporate jobs, they were climbing the corporate ladder. Um, you know, they were just living a completely different life. And that's when I really had to ask myself, um, am I okay running a non-profit organization? I mean, just really, honestly, living in such a competitive um, environment, right? You tend to compare and, and, and you would feel the sting, right? When your friends talk about, you know, their salary brackets, for example, or just their opportunities, right? I have to constantly ask myself, you know, why am I doing what I do? And to be just so rooted and reminded in my why, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So so Heidi, Heidi passionately talked about how, you know, she had a business degree and, and how that actually changed her mind from, from wanting to be a bad cop, a good cop chasing after bad guys into wanting to go into the system. And that, how, that was how she came about with the idea of, you know, setting up refuge for the refugee. And, and yeah, it's interesting that because she brought up about the FOMO part, uh, fear of missing out to, to everyone out there. And, and I think it's so important that we also talk about this because, you know, like Fabian yourself, when, when you first did this, um, there was obviously some, perhaps some objection from your parents and family and over the years that has actually, like you've mentioned, smoothened out. Um, what about your peers? How, how challenging has that been for you? Um, did, they, did, did, did you ever have that formal part uh, when, when you switched to become a pastoral worker? Um, yes, uh, I, I do. Um, yeah, because Church is my first book, you know, so technically I have never experienced the corporate world. So most of the times when we hang out and then they discuss their, their issues and problems and I listen to them and I'll, uh, I will always wonder how would I fare where if I am in their shoes. Yeah, uh, yeah because, um, yeah, a part of me wants to be an engineer, you see. Yeah, so hearing them talking about their struggles at work, and I would think to myself, um, would I be a good engineer? Would I be, um, would I be, yeah, basically just a good engineer lah? Uh, that was, that was actually uh, a small group of friends uh, within my course mates um, who know that I work for the church. Uh, the rest don't really know. Uh, the rest uh, don't really see me in anywhere. I don't really post things uh, into my uh, our WhatsApp group. And that, that was one joke uh, that, I mean, we are close enough to a joke like this. Uh, I, I hope that this is not too offensive. So one of them said, uh, says to me, um, you know, we struggled for four years. Um, and yeah, now we chose engineering. You walked the breeze, graduated top of the class, and you chose social work. 
that's like an insult to us, you know? Yeah, so I said, but <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, I guess, to my peers, they understand uh, who I am. And for those that understand who I am, yeah, they, they have no problem with uh, me being who I am and what I choose to do. Yeah, but yeah, still uh, in their presence, I, yeah, sometimes I do wonder um, how I would fare. That there, there, there is that fear of missing out. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I just put this, I, I kind of reverse the question a little bit to, to Adrian. I mean, Adrian, do, you, do, you, do your friends say, hey, why, why, why are you wasting your life doing this? You know, you could be doing something else. Do they say that to you? I mean, or what response do you have for them? Um, no, um, oh. I, I haven't actually got this kind of questions for my friends. I guess, I guess we are in an age where I don't know. We just uh, want to do something for the country, want to give back to the country in the state of pandemic. Uh, I have supportive friends. I have great friends who have been saying good things, good job, carry out the good work and, and so on. There's, there's not, there's, I don't think there's any friends of mine that has been saying negative things about, about, about this yeah. yet. La. I hope, I hope, yeah. Well, that, that's amazing. I mean, just simply because I, I think today a lot of young people, uh, or let me say younger people, uh, have have this uh, this consciousness uh, about about social issues. You know, uh, it is in their work, uh, uh, even in their personal life. Uh, a lot of them commit themselves to to a, a cause, whether it's it's whether it's, it's preservation of wildlife or or the ecosystem uh, or social justice. Uh, there seems to be something that drives them. Uh, Fabian, when you work with our young people in the church, do you see that? Uh, do you see that kind of a desire to make a, a, a social difference in the world among our young people in the church? Uh, yes. Um, uh, I mean, there are times in my life where I wasn't doing anything. Um, not wasn't doing, like, I was more like waiting for results, waiting for UPU, waiting for SPPM, so on and so forth. And there was a time where I... Uh, volunteered in Asayo, where I currently work at right now, and I journeyed with few of the pastoral workers then, uh, who are still working today. Um, and while volunteering, I the more I volunteer, the more I spend time with other people, young people especially. Um, I see, I see the need for accompaniment. I see, um, that's so much more to human connection. There is so much more to human relationship. Uh, there's, yeah, everyone's life is somehow connected to each other. And so that kind of um, pushes me to want to do this work, uh, the work that no one else wants to do, you see? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, you, so, I mean, you are saying that our, our young people in, in the church are, are very, you know, conscious about, about social issues, uh, at least the people that you work with. Uh, they are ready to commit themselves, you know. So it's not it's not just going to church and and you know pray and you know uh, make I mean music, uh, but there is a kind of a a, a conviction uh, between the con the church life of the church and also life out there kind of has to be in sync. Uh, do you see that in, in in many of our young people today? And if you do, I think that's a great that's a great sign of hope for for the church. Uh, I would say uh, because it, you know it's not just going to church to pray. I mean, I'm not saying it's not important. It is, but that in, does that inspire them 
because you see on, on social media, a lot of young people post different things, you know, uh, cruelty against animals, you know, uh, to uphold uh, the preservation of, of life. Uh, Justice for the say, education system. It, yeah. So would you say, would you say our young people in the church, at least in your circles of your pastoral work, are committed to, to something like this? Uh, yes, I would say they are. Um, they are very committed. Uh, actually, some of them are more are more knowledgeable or more caught up with um, current issues, current youth issues, current young people issues. Yeah, uh, than I am personally. So I'm a bit guilty of that. Um, so yeah, I do see that um, as as young people tend to go out from their homes, come come out of their comfort zone. Uh, they still hold the church, they still hold their faith in their daily life. And as they go through their daily life, they look at um, what they have learned and then they look at what they're looking at. They see something is wrong somewhere. They, they see the need to voice out. They see the need. Something needs correction. Something needs to be done. Yeah. So uh, at least uh, the social circles uh, that I have, um, that's what they're seeing. Um, once in a while, I'll see in WhatsApp groups and whatnot, people discussing, uh, discussing about uh, current suicide rates uh, due to pandemic. People discussing about um, making schools a safer place. Uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, I would say yes. Uh, there are. I think, I think that, that's that's yeah, that, 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 that's that's very comforting to know, at least you know uh, that our young people are concerned about about social issues yeah perhaps you know i mean we have three great uh, i mean we have two people whom we can ask questions from <laughs> yes we, you know, yeah. we, we have we have fabian and adrian who is live on this program and if you just tune in to this show uh, today we're actually talking about youth as a catalyst of ch to change um, if you have any questions you know to our audience who is watching this program please feel free to drop a note into the comment section you can actually direct them to either adrian or fabian or to our youthful father Clarence, if you have any questions about today's topic, yeah, I, I think I think you know talking about um, what you are doing, Fabian. There's always that misconception, I would say, that what you are doing is more like a part-time work. Um, you know, parents probably would say, "Hey, you want to do church work, right? Yeah, do it on over the weekend, lah. After church, you can spend some time doing church activities." But in your case, you've actually made that into something that you are doing all the time. Um, is this something that you believe would be how it is going to be like in the future uh, with people going into pastoral care work or people going into full-time uh, social activism or working for a non-profit organization? Do you think as a youth, right, this is actually the way it will be moving forward, that people will take a lot more um, chances and going to this to do it full-time? Um, uh, yes, I do think that full-time workers, full-time social workers are needed. I mean, I guess it depends on what do you actually work as. So for pastoral work, a large chunk of our work is actually accompaniment. Um, so accompanying another person or rather accompanying a lot of different young people uh, really takes up a lot of your time. Um, sometimes, uh, although we say it's an eight to five job, you know, because you're your contract worker but no sometimes the work flows to night as well you don't know at any one point a young person is having a breakdown and just needs to talk to someone yeah so uh 
I have yet to receive a midnight call, but I have colleagues that have already received uh, midnight calls from young people just wanting to talk to someone. And because of all of this, I do feel that uh, this has to be a full-time job. Um, if I were to do this part-time, if I were to do this voluntarily, um, yeah, I don't see myself being able to um, being able to fulfill this partial worker role, being able to accommodate the young people their, and their uh, social or spiritual needs. Yeah, so uh, that, that's on the partial side. But there are other um, works in within an NGO or social work that can be part-time, can be volunteerism as well. Um, yeah, for example, if you're just admin support system or IT and so on and so forth. Yeah. Just, I mean, you, you are, all three of them are, are very committed, you know, and uh, to, to what you are doing. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you, you try to inspire others, right? I mean, in that sense, you want to be able to, I think a lot of us, you know, we want to inspire others. But I think the question that I want to put to maybe to, to all three in a, in a very short kind of a way, uh, who inspires you, you know, uh, you know, do you look up to someone and say, okay, this is the person that inspires me to do what I'm doing now? Adrian, you want to go, you want to go first? <laughs> wow, that's, that? that's something that I don't really have an answer. When, Jonathan, when JP gave me the script, I said, I, I don't know who to... <laughs> who, who to <laughs> no, no, it's all right. It's okay. I think it's but, perfectly but, fine. But, some, yeah. but, but to be honest, um, when, I, when, when he sent me that list, I sit down and, and think the only person that came to my mind was JP himself. Uh, wow. He has done, yeah, JP himself, he has done a lot of a lot of things more than I have done before. He even took up the clinical research thing for 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 uh, COVID nineteen much more earlier when they were doing clinical trial run. I, I don't think he even know whether he got a placebo or whether he actually got a vaccine. <laughs> he doesn't know right up to now. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, JP, JP is one of my inspirational. JP, uh, pat, pat yourself on the back. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah. All right. Thanks for that. That was not a planted answer, Father. I can assure you that. No, no it's not. Uh, really, it's not. It's not. Are, are, you, are, are, you, are you sending him lunch afterwards? <laughs> he, he can send lunch to my BPV, no problem. <laughs> Fabian, Fabian yeah. who, who, who inspires you, Fabian? Um inspires me i would say a uh, few of the saints personally one of them um saint mother Teresa, um yeah who sees the needs of the people she was not trying to be someone she's not she's not trying to do great things but she's just doing um what she can do uh with love you know uh, but currently i mean inspire uh, inspiration and motivation should come from uh, people we can interact with like, i believe i believe yeah, so um, I would say my colleagues, uh, because I see their struggles. Uh, and since we, we work for the same thing and we work for the same purpose, and when I see them struggling and when I see them uh, trying to be strong, it urges me as well. It inspires me. It motivates me to continue on. Yeah. There, there are times where I have, uh, I doubt this choice. Uh, again, FOMO, call it FOMO or call it, um, call it questioning myself. Uh, there are times when I'm not sure 
uh, is this what it is? Yeah, because right after I started, then pandemic happens, and then we kind of don't know what we're supposed to work. Yeah. So when I see so them, it's, it's, it's interesting yeah. that you know. So we have one JP is one one inspiration. Uh, we have Mother Teresa as a, another inspiration here to Fabian, uh, together with his colleagues. JP, what did what did what did Heidi say? Let's let's find out what Heidi said when I answered that question. Jonathan, great question. Um, I think you guys might have just uh, interviewed her recently. Her name is Dr. Hartini Zainuddin. So Dr. Tini is my mentor um, at 18, 17, you know, when I was starting Refuge to Refugees as a project. I remember looking for mentors in a field. I did, I Googled, you know, and, and her name popped up. I wrote into her alongside many others, you know, to go like, hey, can you be my mentor? Dr. Tini was the only person that replied until today. She is still my mentor. I go to her about every single thing. I mean, uh, I mean, just... Uh, really funny thing to note i mean you know in my recent court case she was the one that built me out you know she posted my bill and that's really who she is in my life right making sure that i i get support every step of the way yeah that that was a, that was a, that was a question and an answer that i think father you you probably were surprised because yeah. uh, dr martini has a, has actually come onto our show before i think a few episodes ago that's right no now i want, I want, to, I, want I want to ask a question now now, Adrian says, JP, you inspire him. JP, who inspires you, JP? So, uh, I have two um, that I can think of. First is actually my earthly father. Um, you know, given that from a very young age, he has actually inculcated a lot of the values that I still hold on to today. And um, it's interesting that I remember when I was seven or eight years old, I would actually accompany him to an orphanage. And he was actually volunteering there as, um, as, as a, I would say, a barber to, to help the kids, the boys at the orphanage cut their hair. And I was actually a very young assistant back then to help him out. And we continue to do that for many years. And then that has actually brought me on to be more aware and conscious of the privileges that I have. So that's one. Uh, the other one is actually the blessed uh, Carlo Acutis, the, the newly beatified saint. Um, he was actually beatified last year, and I and I like that the fact that he was beatified in his favorite sneaker, in his favorite jeans and jumper. Um, he died at a very young age of fifteen, but I really, really find him inspirational because you know when when he was sick and he was going through so much of uh, pain, he never once questioned, and he really offered himself up to God, and and you know, and, and that I think is one of the few people that I really am inspired to, uh, by. Yeah, I think I think you bring up a very important point about family. You know, you know how families uh, nurture and, and shape us the way the way we, who we become. Uh, perhaps we could ask, uh, you know, uh, Adrian or Fabian. You know, the, the decision that you you make to do these things. You know, this sense of generosity, of of, of self sacrifice. Is this something that you kind of, uh, in if I use the word inherited? Uh, within the context of your own family, you saw that in your family, and today that kind of nurtures the person uh, who you are. Maybe Adrian can go first. <laughs> okay, Adrian. <laughs> you 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 you're using my answers, right, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um. In terms of family, um. I would say I grew up in a very typical, typical Chinese Chinese family. You say um, um, we 
one of the rules I still remember growing up as a family is uh, when you gather for dinner, it's 7 p.m. Everybody needs to be on a table together having dinner and whatsoever. There's no such thing as late or you're coming back late. Or if you're out playing football and you're out doing your sports or whatever, you need to be there by 7. Just get ready for your shower and then sit down sit down for dinner together. So I remember going, growing up that way in, in my family. Uh, in terms of giving, um, I think my late dad is one person that always gives, and no matter how, no matter what, he's, he still gives. So maybe some of the things I actually picked it up from him, or maybe it's just me in, in myself, or it's how, how I was brought up, or maybe it's just how nature is, society is now. If there's nobody giving, it's it's going to be... It's going to be very difficult. It's going to be tough, especially in this in this pandemic. Especially in this pandemic, mm, everybody want to stay in their shell. <clears throat> everybody want to be comfort. Everybody want to stay in their own home. Uh, everybody is feeling afraid to go out or do the necessary. So that's what actually inspired me in doing this uh, volunteering job. It's just a matter of giving up and. Taking a step forward, doing something that somebody doesn't want to do. Or it, maybe there is a lot of people who want to do this. It's just that something that I, I found myself just needed to do something in, in this in this in this in this pandemic and so on. So yeah, that's that was one of the inspiration or that's maybe that's how family brought me up and that's why I'm doing this. Yeah. Fabian, you would you say you had your family had a a huge part in in what you do and in the way you are the person that you are uh yes i would say um growing up uh of course um like adrian said uh, i was also raised in a quite typical chinese family but more than that um i think one important value that i was taught um or rather i was shown was to do the right things not just do things right, yeah, but also do the right things. If you see something is wrong, be proactive and try to fix it. Try to repair things. Try to, yeah, just try to do something good. Yeah, that, I think that's the one thing that also, um, if I were to compare my life now and back then, I think this one has been with me all the way. That's why I try to do things right. I do like things. <laughs> now, 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 one of you must, uh, either one, one of you will have to enlighten me. You know, both of you use the word, we grew up in a typical Chinese family. You know? <laughs> Obviously, I did not. <laughs> I think it's rather obvious. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean... RJP, RJP, whether he grew up the same way as us or not, he's also, I believe he's also one typical Chinese since family. Since he didn't say that, maybe, maybe Adrian, you want to, just, just in, in, in one, two sentences, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. Maybe if you don't, you don't come back for dinner by 7pm, you get smacked, you get rotan, you get, you get whatever, man. I guess, I no, guess the, maybe the discipline, the discipline of, of respect for the elders and, you know, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, mutuality in the family. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I guess that's what you mean. Is it because when, when both of you use that word, I kind of like that, that kind of flag that went on my head. No, no what is that? What is that? Uh, uh, anyway, uh, you know, I, I just kind of like 
the stories that you tell. Uh, I, I think what, what what it simply means is this. Sometimes we hear people want to say, you know, to do church work or to do social work. I mean, let me let me let me go out, get my degree, let me earn a lot of money. Then when I retire, then I'll give myself give myself to social work. Uh, or give myself to church work. You also hear this in church. You know, now, or now no time, Father. Uh, maybe when I retire, uh, then I can offer myself. But the three of you uh, who we are talking to this morning have decided that you want to make a change now. You know, not wait when you retire or when you have amassed huge amounts of money and then you can do some, you know, you can help others. But given the situation that we are in, looking around, whether it's cl climbing the corporate ladder or not, you, you think that you can make a difference now. What would you say to other young people you know, who want to make a difference, who are thinking, you know, maybe I will do it later, maybe I will uh, get some more money first, maybe I will yeah. do all my degrees first, uh, and then maybe I will consider. What would you say to people listening in this morning who who are thinking but not sure whether they want to take that step forward to make a change. Maybe let's let's listen to Heidi first. Uh, RJP, what do you think? Sure. Yeah. Let's 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 go to that. While Adrian and 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 Fabian think the answers. Your convictions has to be stronger than emotions. Um, and I say this because a lot of times we get very daunted by the emotions uh, that might overwhelm us. But always remember your why, you know, when you are looking to create change. So your convictions has to be stronger than emotions. Um, look, you know, and, and if, if you're looking to, to, to be, you know, involved in, 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 in community building, um, it's really key and important that you speak to the communities that you're hoping to serve. Consult with them before you come up with a program or, or a solution um, because a buy-in from the community uh, makes a huge impact in just how uh, beneficial and impactful your program actually is. Yeah, so so I, I think I think what, what um, Heidi was saying is that your conviction must be bigger than your emotions. Um, what, what about you, Fabian? What what drives you? What advice would you bring to someone who is keen to do what you're doing or something different, but in the same realm? And, and what would you say to them? Um, well, if you see something wrong, try to fix it. Um, but more than what you want to do, uh, figure out why you want to do it. I think just as Heidi has mentioned, right? focus on your why, focus on your conviction. Um, why I say this is because um, let's say let's say you are trying to fix something and you have set something as your goal, something as your success point, something that you measure with success. Right? So what happens as you reach it? What happens after you reach it? Yeah. So if you don't have a proper conviction, you won't be able to move on to another success. You won't be able to move on to another goal. You will be stuck at that. Okay, I have reached here. What do I do next? You know? Yeah. So focus uh the why is very, very important. Yeah. Thanks for that. I mean coming over to to, to Adrian, right? You are a young dad. If let's say your kids were to come to you in years to come and say, Daddy, I want to actually go into uh, pastoral work, I want to go into social courses, 
what advice would you tell them? Hmm, I I just tell them go ahead, do what you what you want to do, what your passion wants to do, or what you love doing. Just just go ahead and do it. Um, I I won't really stop them, or I won't really um uh, ask them not to do it. Yeah, I just ask them, and if they need guidance from me, then I'll just guide them and see see what they can do. If not, I'll just uh, call Uncle JP. JP Uncle JP has more <laughs> more advice on this but if they want to do this uh, i'll guide them through uh, i'll see them through uh, i'll be their guidance their backbone and, and so on yeah you know but by saying that it sounds like you've actually smashed the notion that you are setting up a typical chinese family because you are obviously not because because whatever that you are sharing now um it no, will be I'm recorded not. and we will replay it back to your kids when they are when they are used you know wanting to pursue a different career tell them this was what your dad said uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. My my dad, my dad, my mom are typical Chinese family. I grew up in typical Chinese family. I'm not. We must have we, we must have that conversation another day. So I'll find out what what is, this actually means. You know, it's such a typical such a loaded state, such a loaded statement. That, you know, it, uh, to every person, I think it means differently. No, but I think I think what is important, I, just listening to to three people here, you know, is to be able to follow follow your heart, yeah, and I think and, and that's where it leads to your passion. Sometimes, you know, we try to, to rationalize things uh, and think that, you know, we need to do this, we need to do that. But at the end of the day, we don't move to do anything. And I think Fabian and Heidi speak about conviction, uh, you know, to be convicted for a cause and, and to, to do something about it. And I think even these times, uh, JP, you know, a lot of us uh, uh, are convicted that we need to do something. But the difference is there are some people who would do some, something about it and there are people who will just talk and, and not do anything about it. You yeah. know? So we, we see that three people today uh, we talked to uh, who saw something, there's a need, and decided to, to launch in. Perhaps they never got all the answers that they were looking for before, before jumping in. But as they jumped in, uh, they began to find answers. I think sometimes that's what life is all about, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's like it's a, it's a bit like swimming, you know. I mean, you can sit in a classroom and teach someone, you know, okay, this is how you swim, and you know, you look at all the Olympic swimmers and how they are able to kind of like you know tread water right across it. Yeah, a class a classroom doesn't offer you that, but when they jump into the pool and they start doing it and, and they begin to learn, I think I think that's what it's all about. It's sometimes it's jumping in and and then finding the answers along the way. Uh, I mean, it's I I also share. It's the same for me. I mean, when I wanted to join the seminary, I, did, I had more questions than answers. But, you know, I launched myself into it. And over the years, you, you begin to find uh, the answers as you try different things, new things, and move forward. And I'm sure for you too, JP, I mean, yeah. uh, if you wanted to go into a job or a, a change of career path, it's always, there are more questions. And I think that's how the mind works, isn't it? Yeah, yes. there are always these stumbling blocks to say, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. What about this? What about that? But sometimes I think we just need that, to There will always be that moment or that trepidation or doubt whether this is the right path. But, you know, at the end of the day, silence that part. If I hear the stories by, by our three guests today, is is silent that, but just, just have that little voice there that just checks in once in a while, but don't let it drown out whatever that you wanted to do and, and to focus on your, your true passion in life. Um, yeah, and I think it's also a different perspective this morning that we have Heidi, we have Adrian and Fabian sharing a little bit different from what uh, I would say a typical person would actually do in their life. And, and just hearing their stories, you know, Father, I think you can agree with me that we are in good hands 
if this is the youth that we have now and, and the work that they're doing and, and, and just so much of energy and vigor in, in what they want to do for the future to be the change that they want to see, right, Father? That's right. I think this is what we need, uh, you know, whatever it is or whatever we're doing. It's not just to be able to, to go into the, you know, the automated life, I would call it, you know, just to follow what is expected of you. I think Fabian and I think Heidi, uh, also Adrian, it's always it's about the why, you know. And, and, and I think this is what we all need to be asking from time to time. Whatever career we have chosen, you know, there are sometimes we need to stop and why am I doing this? You know, why do I wake up in the morning to do this? What motivates me to, to do this? I think that, that keeps us in check, isn't it? It helps us to, to, to move forward. Otherwise, we just get caught up with, with the, the, the ordinary life. And then at some point in life, we look back and say, hey, did I just waste my whole life uh, and doing nothing, basically, uh, and just running the, that red race with everybody else? But I think, yeah, the three stories that we shared this morning, I think must be an inspiration to a lot of people out there who are listening to us this morning uh, to say that, yes, we can make a difference and young people can make a difference. I think, JP, the, the team uh, for this year, something to do with innovation, creativity. Uh, and I think with young people, they are, there's so much of innovation, so much of creativity to be able to use that for a good cause. Ultimately, is to, to make the world a better place for all of us. Yes, yes. And, and, and we have our youth of today. Um, I'm looking at all of you, you know, tuning into the program. You know, if you, if you know somebody who is a youth or if you know somebody who is youthful and you're thinking, should I, should I not be that person to, to help them? Like what Fabian said, accompany them and to pray and, and to be their guide and to, to work it out. And I think, you know, we, we are going to be all right in the end of it. Um, yeah. So, so that brings us to the end of our show, Father. How fast time flies, right? And our class <laughs> has gone. It's just talking about the stories and listening to, yeah, to this amazing youth, you know, sharing their, their life. Yeah, time flies, uh, definitely, JP. Only yesterday I was a youth, and today I'm not so youthful anymore. <laughs> time has time has time has flown by very very quickly. Yes, uh, but just thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, Fabian. Thanks, uh, Adrian. Thanks, uh, Heidi, for for sharing your story. I think it's amazing what you do. Like JP said in the beginning, the road less travel, and sometimes the road less travel is is filled with with potholes and with hurdles and and challenges. But to be able to overcome them is what build, builds character. And certainly to make change now and not to say that. No, I always cringe when people say the youth are the future of tomorrow. I, I don't think, I don't think that's, that's true. Uh, the, the, the youth are the today. You know, at, at this time, uh, they, they, at this time they, they, they can make the change. And the catalyst for change so that future generations can look back and say that, yeah, these people made a difference. And to all those young people up there, whether it's in the Olympics or whether they are voicing out their dissatisfaction in social areas or in political areas, I think we need to stand by them because to build a better future takes the whole nation. Indeed, Father. Indeed. So to, yeah. to wrap things up for episode 70 of our podcast today, um, I would like to just say a very big thank you to Heidi from Refuge of the Refugee, uh, Fabian from Asayo, and Adrian, who is our PPV volunteer, for all the amazing work that all three of you are doing. A, a really big thank you. And of course, a big thank you and a shout out to you too, Father Clarence, for being my host for today. 
Yeah. So let's let's conclude with a prayer, and we yeah. pray for all our young people uh, as we celebrate the United Nations uh, Day of Youth uh, this coming week. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our loving Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for the gift of our guests who have shared their stories. Hope, we hope that the stories will inspire other young people to be able to, to make a change in the world that we live in, to inspire change, to effect change, so that we all can live in this great kingdom that you have blessed us with, to be able to glorify you. Bless our listeners this morning, their families, their loved ones. Keep us all safe during this pandemic that we may be able to glorify you with our voices, with our hearts, through our words, through our thoughts, and through our actions. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into today's show. And that's a wrap. Uh, we will see you soon again. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share Catholics at Home podcast with your friend and help us achieve 10,000 subscribers. Until next time, stay safe and thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.